0: Every day's the same, and I'm left to discover on my own. It seems like everything is gray, and there's no color to behold. They say it's over, and I'm fine again. All right, guys. Welcome to episode 30 of the CFL Podcast. This is Chris. I'm uh, joined here by Tony. Just Tony.
1: How's it going, dude? Good, man. I, I guess Chuck decided not to bring his ball to our party, man. He's going to rest on the laurels of his roster and didn't want to hang out with us, which is a little disappointing,
0: but what do you do, right? Yeah, I kind of took it the same way. kind of took it like he's, uh, I don't know, trying to pull one on my us.
1: Team, get re- yeah, My team is dominant. I already have 55 first round picks next year. I'm not going to grace you guys with my presence until I'm getting ready. I, I get it, Chuck. You're, <laughs> you're the team to beat.
0: All right, so speaking of team So that's to clearly got to be
1: the message he's sending us, right, is that he's, he's too good for us at this point.
0: Yeah, I think he's – because I talk a lot about how he's one of my rivals. and <laughs> Yeah. He's basically saying but, he doesn't consider he me a rival.
1: What's 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 the title count between you guys at this point, though?
0: I don't remember exactly. I think I have seven, and he has four or five.
1: Okay, so he's. But, I uh, mean, he's got a little bit of ways to go to close the gap on the rivalry. So,
0: yeah, just kind of recent times. Uh, there hasn't really been much rivalry. I think that's maybe what he's trying to say.
1: Speaking of improving your team. Uh, we we just had a draft, if I recall correctly. Although I I, I don't remember much of it because my God, I, I I'm pretty sure Alan's wife overserved me yet again. So uh, <laughs> two for two for two on excellent drinks. I uh, I didn't know what a gin rickey was before I got to the draft, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I don't remember what it was after I left. <laughs> if, if that gives you an idea. So yeah, uh, shout out to Alan's wife. Holy shit, does she always do a good job? I have no problem tipping her well. She takes care of us really well. And quick, close circuit to you. Uh, you always put on a hell of a draft, Chris. Nice job. That was that was a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Uh, I can't take any credit.
0: All credit really goes to Nanda's. That's the bar in my garage. They do uh, a <laughs> hell of a job. So, nice. uh, Anyways, uh, so, yeah, as you mentioned, we had, had the draft. Uh, everything was awesome. I had a good time at the draft. Uh, we should really point out, though, that... Uh, Carter uh, won the Bags tournament. He did one pick two sixteen. No, I'm sorry, two seventeen. Yep. Uh, but we're not uh, awarding a two eighteen because um, he had a fill-in partner, which was one of Jeff's sons. I forget which one was on his team, but I think um, it was Max.
1: If I recall correctly. Okay. I but it was both... Max. Max actually tried to? He tried to haggle it on his dad's behalf and say, "Well, you know." Technically, that should get awarded <laughs> to my dad then, and I, I have yep. to give him credit for that. But I, I think Jeff has enough picks already for 2023 to begin mm-hmm. with because he's already been loading up. So, um, I, I A-plus A+ effort, Max, but uh, I don't think your dad needs
0: any more help from you on that. Yeah, so as you said, Max was on one of the teams, and then Garrison was on the other. And both of those teams made it to the finals. And uh, Carter won. And so he, he gets uh, pick 217. As I mentioned, there's not a 218 this year. That pick will be available to trade after this season is over. We'll award that as well as uh, the pick 117 for the uh, toilet bowl at the same time. So those will be tradable assets in the off season. Any other thoughts on the draft? Anything else stand out, Tony?
1: Um, I thought it was really cool that your brother busted out his cards to haggle with the kids. Um, I, I mean, it was just, it was a good setup, man. It seemed like the wives were having fun. It seemed like the kids that came were having fun. Everybody yeah, had a good time. Yeah, wasn't, you know, just overall really good vibe. I, I, I had a really good time myself as well too, like I already alluded to. So.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, the draft was fun, but every draft has winners and has losers. So That's interested true. in your uh, your thoughts. Uh, what we're gonna do is go through each team, and Tony's gonna review their draft, and we're gonna go in order of the highest pick that you had. So, uh, first one is uh, Jeff Becker, the generic bread Warriors who had pick one one. Tony, what are your thoughts on this draft?
1: Um, I mean, I, I mean, for, first impression, uh, hell of a job. I mean. Jeff, as we all know, you know, won a title uh, and then immediately decided to kind of start back from scratch. And I mean, I I think that uh, this won't be a super popular opinion with you because I know you're a big truther, but I wasn't 100% in on Najee Harris last year. Um, I, I think that he is a solid running back in terms of skill set. Like, he can run, he can catch. Obviously, he proved it last year. I mean, what, he kept 76 passes. Um, but I, my biggest concern that I always had regarding him was life after Big Ben. And I, I feel like we can all agree that this year's quarterback draft class, um, not super appealing. You know what I mean? You only saw one guy that went in the first round. Kenny Pickett almost didn't even make it. And that's, that's who they've got. You know, he's, you know, you put aside the, the jokes about the size of his hands and all that, you know, this is a, this is a guy that played essentially. He didn't play for a power five school at Pittsburgh. Um, it's a fun storyline that he gets to stay in his own backyard and play, but um, you know he's, he's probably not even going to start. You know you got Mitch Trubisky who flamed out in epic fashion in Chicago. Yes, you could blame that on Matt Nagy, but um, I it's not an inspiring quarterback duo. You know what I mean? So I I don't think you're going to I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that Nagy is going to catch as many passes as he did before and. I can't name a single guy on that offensive line. Like it's it's pretty scary to be honest with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, yep. So I, I remember telling everybody last year, the running back to get I think is going to be Brees Hall. Um, he's just a, he's a different kind of player. Um, I don't want to say generational talent because I don't think he's like up there. You know, with with the the consummate you know like Zeke's and Saquons when they mm-hmm. came out, but. Um, if there was a player in this draft class that was going to be the guy, it was him, and Jeff got him. You know, I mean, we always laugh about the Jets, you know, and, and what they've done, but you know, these aren't your mom's Jets. Uh, this this is Robert Sala, you know, bringing over, um, you know, the the I'm sorry, the San Francisco scheme. Um, I I think Brees Hall, as we start to see some of these running backs that we've been so spoiled with, you know, like the Dalvin Cooks and the Alvin Kamara's, you know, Derrick Henry start to age out a little bit. We're looking for that next kind of crop, and I, I think Brees Hall is it. So when you get the unanimous best player in the draft, I mean, you're you're already batting 1,000 at that point. He got, sure. in my opinion, uh, arguably the best wide receiver in the draft. I know that everybody was all over Drake London. Um, I personally have a phobia for USC receivers. Um, you know, shades of Mike Williams with the Lions and, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster had a great year, but he's kind of flamed out since then. Um, Traylon Burks, the guy's first touch in college was a 66-yard end-around for a touchdown. Um, he's he's bigger than Debo Samuel, but he plays like a combination of him and Percy Arvin. Um, those are two damn good building blocks. Jahan Dotson, a lot of people talk about was a reach, obviously, for Washington, but he fits kind of that scheme of what they want for an underneath receiver to take kind of take pressure off of... Uh, McLaurin, I, I think that's as good as a, a number two as you're going to get. Um, George Pickens, there's another awesome pick. That could be uh, three one things. of the seals of the draft right there. Yeah. Both NFL uh, I and fantasy,
0: yeah.
1: Considered him strongly at 117 before I made my pick, but um, as we all know, running back is king, which is why I went Robinson. But, you know, three things in life uh, that are certain, death taxes and Steelers na- nailing wide receiver picks. You know, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown, who's a small school guy. Chase Claypool looked great as a rookie. Juju Smith-Schuster had a great rookie season with that. And two, two seasons, you know, before injuries kicked in. Um, Pickens might be the next big guy. You know, they're not going to pay Deontay. They're going to let him walk. It's going to be, you know, him and Claypool playing opposite each other. Um, Alec Pierce, I was a huge fan of him. I don't know if you followed much Cincinnati Bearcat football, but... Um, Alec Pierce, size-wise and spark-wise, has the exact same build, speed, vertical, and metrics that D.K. Metcalf did when he came out of oldness. Miss. Um, he's just a freakish receiver. The the bad news for him is he plays on a run-dominant team with the Colts, but uh, you know Seattle is that once upon a time, and D.K. Metcalf did pretty damn good in a scheme like that. So, um, I-, I love Beckard's draft. Um, he's you know, really wide receiver heavy, but he, you know, and he, he moved off a lot of players. He's clearly in a rebuild, but this is going to be a team that's going to be pretty dangerous if everything pans out. I I can't say that he has any real, like, dart throws. Like, these all seem like they're going to be solid fantasy commodities within a two- or three-year time frame when, when Becker's rebuild is close to done. So, I, I love this draft, personally. Yeah, this
0: draft was uh, impressive. He got both the high-end talent early on and then got some of the best sleepers uh, later, so can't uh, can't fault him for any of his picks. No, really hard to throw stones at any of those guys. All right, next up we have DeClipstas, who had uh, first pick was 1-2. Now,
1: I I'm going to need a reminder because I can't remember. He traded... He traded Jamar Chase, and I know he got this pick for London, but I can't remember the running back that he got back.
0: Uh, he uh, you keep going on his uh, draft, otherwise, and I'll I'll have this
1: for you in one okay. second. Um, Drake London, uh, obviously um, prime I mean, Calvin Ridley indefinitely out. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts is there, but they don't they don't have a name to their game uh, in the receiving room. You know uh, Brian Edwards, who who has done largely nothing since getting drafted by the Raiders. You know, he's going to start opposite him. London's going to get a shit ton of targets. So, I mean, in a way, I, I know that, uh, Mark got a bit of a two for one on this deal. And there are a lot of people that love London. I, I know there's a lot of leagues that I play in that London actually was going number one overall. Um, I don't, I don't agree with that, but I, I understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't hate the pick, but it admittedly loses a little bit of its luster knowing that he gave up Jamar Chase in order to get that plus a running back. Um, yeah, I, So, not sorry to interrupt, but... Uh, no, go ahead. Got that trade here for Chase.
0: Wemmy well, I mean, Doodles gave up uh, Joe Mixon, basically. So it was Joe Mixon, Chris Evans, uh, Kendrick Bourne, and then 1-2. So it was basically Mixon and 1-2 okay. for Chase.
1: Gotcha. I mean, and, and Mixon is he had his best pro season last year. Um, I I think he has a hard time replicating it just because the Bengals that's what it was. He's staying in that offense, which I liked, but I, I think the Bengals, especially after what Burrow did with Chase and they're gonna get T. Higgins back and they have mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd, like, that's very quickly gonna become a past dominant team and I just I don't think Mixon has a chance to really um, duplicate or replicate, maybe would be the word what he did um, mm-hmm. last year, so i i don't I don't hate the trade by any means, but I think he, you know, he had the best player arguably in the draft class last year. Like Jamar Chase, obviously was just nothing short of insane. Um, yeah, I think that it's you know Mixon. I think just turned twenty six. So, I mean, he's probably got a good you know two, maybe three years of relevance as a feature back left. Um, Giving up on Chase, though, at 21 years old is, is a little painful. I mean, if Drake London comes out and catches 120 balls, then I'm probably going to eat a lot of thrill on this analysis. But, you know, I, I like the pick of London. I just, knowing that he gave up to Chase in order to get him kind of kills it a little bit. Um, his defensive picks, in my opinion, were pretty solid. Um, Kyle Hamilton, um, I'm... I really wanted the Vikings to originally draft him before we traded out. I think he's going to be a difference maker as a safety. And, a, I mean, he plays in Baltimore, so enough said there. We we know what mm-hmm. secondary players look like in, in the Ravens' game, so I think that's going to be an awesome pick for him. Um, Nicole Dean, traditionally we all know that linebackers are the bread and butter of IDP. There were really only three linebackers that were worth their salt in this draft, in my opinion. And Nicole Dean was one of them, so, I mean... He got a solid linebacker that he can start probably on a week-to-week basis. Um, I like that. He'll be a cornerstone for him on defense for a while. Same with Hamilton. Same with London. Um, Jaquan Brisker, again, probably going to start on a bad Chicago team. I have no idea what that's going to look like because I'm not sure if Brisker is going to play up in the box or not. I I really don't know the defensive scheme that they're going to run. Now, if, if he's got the... Corey willis role that um their new head coach matt ever did in indianapolis i I think he could be an idp monster for tackles you know he could be 95 plus right away as a rookie so you know boom bust pick chicago looks really bad right now though so the jury's kind of out on that um you know jeremy ruckert i don't hate the pick tight end is one of those that's really hard to hit on you know he was a third round pick in real life nfl um value for this probably feels about right but the Jets have kind of a weird tight end rule room right now. You know, they drafted him. They gave Tyler Tyler Conklin a pretty nice sized contract to come over from the Vikings after he had a career year last year. You know, 61 catches, 650 yards, six touchdowns, filling in for Herb Smith. And uh, they poached C.J. Uzoma from Cincinnati as well. So, um, you know, Ruckert, maybe there's something there. I don't know. I, I feel he could have gotten a little bit better value I don't hate his draft. Overall, like I said, I think the biggest thing that stings about it is what does London do to make up for the loss of Jamar Chase? Because if he has any games where, you know, Joel Mixon has, like, 12 carries for 54 scoreless yards and Jamar Chase catches nine passes for 180 and two, Mark's probably going to be sitting on his couch feeling a little bit sick.
0: Yeah. I love the Eclipses. They're one of my favorite teams that aren't the Cornboys, but I... Hated that trade so much, even though he got good, you know, made reasonable draft picks here. Uh, I just don't know how you could trade Jamar Chase. He would have been untouchable on my team until he retired. Yeah, I tend to agree with that statement. All right, so next up is uh the hated Lily Lickers. They had picked 1-3 because they had a crappy year last year. What do you think about their draft? Which
1: we all know you loved. Heck yeah. Um, So, just starting at the beginning of the board, I mean, Kenneth Walker at 1-3, just about every draft I've been in, it's been, you know, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, you know, so getting him at number three is probably a huge value. I I know that Eric is probably going to hate this statement, um, but Rashad Penny, um, he gets injured more often than I change my socks. Um, The guy... He's basically a bigger version of Kenyon Drake. You know, he had a solid, like, 8 to 10 weeks last year, and he parlayed it into a one-year prove-it deal. Um, Wait, can I? You... Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> sorry to interrupt, but
0: I no, can't. you're good. I, I, keep, I can't listen to what you're saying right now because I'm just stuck on the whole change in your socks deal. It, it was hilarious and true. It's just I'm wondering about the summer months. Because I don't think Penny's getting hurt that much, non-football season. Well, and that, that, that and would the make summer months are the I hottest,
1: wear, so yeah, just, I don't wear socks in the summer. So, okay. um, all right. So, yeah, he doesn't get injured at all when the pads aren't on. But the minute the pads go on, about the same time my socks do, and uh, <laughs> those are getting changed every day, which gives you an idea of the soft tissue mm-hmm. and uh, knee problems that Rashad Penny has. So, um, I'm I'm not. I, I mean. You can't deny the dude is talented, but Kenneth Walker, like you look at what he did after he transferred to Michigan State and the knock, the, the popular comparison that I have used is his story kind of reminds me of Le'Veon Bell when he came out of Michigan State. Um, Le'Veon Bell was pretty much described as a north-south runner. Now the difference was Le'Veon Bell had to lose a ton of weight uh, in Pittsburgh before he was finally relevant this second year. Kenneth Walker was rocked out. You know, I think he ran a four four seven forty and he's a big dude. He's in good shape. But, you know, closed circuit, did you see that video that was making the rounds on Twitter of that one handed uh touchdown grab that he made in practice?
0: I did actually. I didn't realize there was anything I just, just
1: like well, the saw the passing. The knock against Walker was that he no hands, like absolutely zero hands, like couldn't catch a cold. And here this guy is the first day of OTAs, and he's, you know, ripping down one-handed touchdowns, okay. doing his best Odell Beckham impression. And, I mean, that guy, you know, running back is king. And I, I think Walker is going to be special. I mean, as long as Pete Carroll is there, Seattle's going to run the ball 600 times a season. And he's in line for some massive workloads, especially when you consider that they have absolutely no quarterback situation. Um, you could argue that it's going to be a little bit like what the Browns are going to have to do here momentarily with Jacoby Brissett for the first six weeks. Like you could really be looking at Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny, um, both having enough volume to warrant top 20 to top 25 consideration every week for starting. Um, The difference is Walker's probably not going to get hurt. Um, You know, you can take the over on Penny and Walker won't give that job back. So, I mean, that's, that's an excellent pick. Zamir um, White, uh, again, that was another guy I was considering at 117 because I own Jacobs. Um, the only thing that really scared me about Zamir White is, um, if you're not familiar with him, he was, a, he was a five-star blue chipper coming out of high school. He was considered one of the three best running backs in the country when he committed to Georgia. Um, two ACL tears in two years, though. Um, the, the last player that I remember that did that actually turned in a hell of a career, and that was Frank Gore. If you remember, you know, he Mm won the first pick in the third round of the Niners. Um, I didn't think White had that. Did you have a chance to watch that preseason game the other night? No, I didn't watch a second Uh, of it. Samir White had three carries for 44 yards, and then he had two catches for 46. So in in limited time, the guy had almost 90 all-purpose yards off six touches. So um, he looked fast. He looked strong. He looked explosive. Like, he was ripping off chunk yardage, bouncing off guard. Um, that, that could really be a nice value for Lily. Um, now you get to the why of the draft. John Mechie, um, who I believe prior to this draft had been diagnosed with leukemia, and he was out indefinitely. Um, he's also an older prospect, also coming off an ACL tear, so that pick felt a little bit weird to me. Um, Taekwon Thornton. All the buzz right now is that he is absolutely running away with a starting job in New England um, in off-season exercises. Even though he's undersized, we all know that receiving room looks pretty bad. So he's going to have a shot, obviously, to start the opposite of Devontae Parker. So that's a that's a really nice value at 4-3. Um, Calvin Austin the third is actually one of my favorite sleepers in really deep leagues. We don't know a bunch about him. He's, he's pretty small. He's about 5'9", 175, um, but he ran a 4'2", 940 with a 38-inch vertical of the combine. Um, he's he's a, a real speedy underneath receiver, and I think that's the kind of guy in a Steelers offense with the question marks we talked about at quarterback that can make some A. Um, I don't know that he's going to start right away this year. He's probably a guy you're going to have to wait on two years, but um, you know, after Deontay Johnson inevitably walks and gets paid, um, he's probably starting in the slot. You know, and, and that that could be a really sneaky, nice pick. Um, Nick Cross, this is a pick that he lucked out on really, really big. Um, the guy that I mentioned before, Corey Willis, uh, the safety for Indianapolis, I'm not sure if you saw him. He actually retired um, kind of out of nowhere. 26-year-old, strong safety. Um, he actually finished as the number three safety in fantasy last year. He retired because he decided that he wanted to. Um, essentially pursue an addition, uh, a lifestyle uh, devout of his religion. He's going to be, um, uh, I, I can't remember if he's Mormon or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'm not really sure, but, um, you know, Lily drafted him at 415, and this guy is now officially the starting strong safety in an Indianapolis defense where that guy had no worse than 82 tackles over a four-year mm-hmm. period, so that, that's a really strong play there. Kyron Williams, another play that I really liked. Uh, you and I were talking offline before, kind of about the Rams running back room. Mm-hmm. Sean McVay flat out came out and said they drafted Kyron Williams because they they wanted him to replace Darrell Henderson. They're going to let him walk because he's been so underwhelming in the past few seasons, so we know what the Rams running game can look like. Uh, Cam Akers did not look like himself coming back off that Achilles. He's had a whole offseason, obviously, rehab, but um as the RB2 in a Rams offense um you know 5 6 on that guy is is a hell of a pick um as much as you're not going to like it I I really like Willie's draft he he might have two starting running backs out of it he definitely got a starting safety oh um, yeah
0: but his roster's trash though you know
1: what yeah. I mean it's not going to start a Mike well, none of those guys he, he he definitely made enough picks to um hopefully put i mean If it makes you feel better, he's still going to probably pick top five next year. Um, But that means you don't have to worry about him uh, this next season. But he made enough moves that uh, the youth movement on his team started on draft day, and I I think he did a really nice job taking some guys in a chip in the chair. Yep.
0: All right, next one up, the Webtoed Wonders, who had uh, a pick as high as 1-4.
1: I mean, Chuck obviously opted to blow us off tonight for the, the draft, so it only feels fair to give him an F if we're, if we're being honest
0: here. Um, yeah, that's the honest, you know, unbiased
1: appraisal. 100%. I mean, yeah. 100%. Um, <laughs> all, all seriousness, uh, Chuck did what Chuck does, like the rich keep on getting richer. Um, Jameson Williams, you know, there's arguments that if he would have been healthy, he would have been the best receiver in the draft class. Uh, the good news for Chuck is that he doesn't need him right away. Um, he can sit and stash him on IR as he inevitably starts in the pop list. But, um, you know, Detroit's a team that's kind of trending up when they get a quarterback next year. You know, Jared Goff is a fine bridge, but when they draft somebody in that loaded class next year, Jameson Williams could be a pretty penny. Uh, Chris olave that's a guy that will start for him right away. Um, I know your brother thinks that he was the best receiver in the draft class. Um, I I strongly disagree. I think the guy is about as exciting as milk toast, but um mm-hmm. he he's in an offense that you know, Michael Thomas hasn't been healthy in two years and Jarvis Landry is pretty much at the end. Um he could command a good amount of targets and be relevant as a rookie right away. Yeah,
0: actually Louis- I like Golabi a lot. I, I he he was one of the most impressive receivers in college football the last three years, I think. Um, we've had a lot of guys come and go in Ohio State around him they got drafted mm-hmm. really high uh, but he always was the, like the most important guy in the field so I super think he pretty good
1: yeah super productive um I just I, I just think in my opinion he's a little undersized I mean what For are you sure that's at? the knock on him yeah six, six foot 185 um you know well welcome to the NFL dude um mm-hmm. I think he's the the first time that he gets laid out in a divisional match by Logan Ryan in Tampa Bay, I, I think that, uh, I think that's going to be a harsh reality for him. Cause it's, it's not like playing against the golfers. That's for damn sure. So, um, it's that still being said, like I said, I like the pick, um, Louis Seam, Um, again, that's a guy that's probably going to start for him. Trey McBride. Great pick there. I mean, we talked about earlier, a draft bereft of players at certain positions. Um, this draft at tight end, there was pretty much one consensus tight end that was actually worth a pick, and Chuck got him uh, at the position, and that's Trey McBride. You know, he won the John Mackey Award. He's not going to start right away, obviously, with Zach Ertz there, but Zach Ertz is 32, going on 33. Um, that's a high-flying offense. Trey McBride plays the seam. You know, he's kind of like a diet Kyle Pitts, who Chuck concurrently owns. So, I like that. Um, it's, a, it's a it's a nice uh, nice stash for him to just sit on because he's not going to need him. Um, Hassan Haskins, I'm not in on him, to be honest with you. I, I get why he took him. It's a safe handcuff to Derrick Henry. That being said, he looked like kind of a plotter at Michigan. I, I think if Henry went down, Haskins would work at a timeshare in best at Dontrell Hilliard. So that uh, that pick feels kind of vanilla to me. Uh, same with Keontae Ingram. Um, Eno Benjamin's pretty much got the backup role locked down in Arizona. James Conner just got paid. I think he's going to have a regression this year, but um, can't deny that James Conner earned a lion's share of carries this year. So, you know, Ingram's probably going to be a a stash for him. Uh, Boyd, Boyd Maffey, you know, Minnesota Gopher ties right there. uh, And Seattle is a pretty underwhelming team. Uh, You know, I don't, I don't know that that guy probably doesn't even make it on Chuck's roster. He's probably going to be a cut if we're being honest with you. So overall, I mean, Chuck didn't really get a lot of guys that are going to help him this year. <clears throat> that being said, he got a bunch of guys that long-term mm-hmm. um, could be very successful for him, in my opinion. So I, I think Chuck, had, and Chuck again had a nice draft just to kind of restock the cupboard. But still, he gets them up.
0: Mm-hmm. Deservedly so. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, uh, Charlie's Angels, who had a pick as high
1: as 1-5. Mhm. Um Charlie isn't going to love this. Um but I th- I think he overdrafted James Cook. I I understand like we talked about the value on running back but he spent the fifth overall pick on a guy that's never worked outside of a committee that's 5'11 189 and profiles as a pass catching back. Um some comparisons I've heard on other podcasts on him I've heard names thrown out for comparison's sake, like Duke Johnson, JD McKissick, um, James white. Those are not names that you want to hear associated with a guy that went one five overall. Um, he's pretty explosive. Um, I, I think that the best case scenario for Charlie, to be honest with you, is if he turns in like a Reggie Bush type career where he did with new Orleans, like if the guy can catch 90 passes as a rookie, mm-hmm. that's going to be super valuable. But I, I just don't see the guy ripping off more than four to five hundred and fifty yards rushing uh, per season. He just and and I hope I'm wrong for Charlie's sake because I know he's looking for a running back and I know that Minnesota faithful love to beat the drum. Oh, he's Dalvin's brother, but he's not built like Dalvin. You know what I mean? Dalvin Mm -hmm. actually carries some extra weight and he can drag tacklers and Cook. You know, he's got smaller legs and it's more of a scat back type. So I, I. I get why you made the pick. I just don't love it. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, arguably the best defensive end in the draft. That's going to pay some dividends for him. Uh, Devin Lloyd, I mentioned before, there were only three linebackers that were worth taking. That was absolutely one of them. Um, that being said, the second tier, uh, Christian Harris, solid pick. But if I recall correctly, that he traded that linebacker later on. But I'm sure we can get to that later. Um, Kenny Pickett. Again, like we talked about, he's probably the best quarterback in the draft class. Um, that's really not saying much. That's like saying that you got to marry the homecoming queen from Aiken. Uh, it's, it's not sure. really anything you're going to brag about. So, yeah, I, I will say, Pickett, though, I was trying to draft Kenny
0: Pickett. I believe my first pick was right after this, and I was planning to take Pickett. Charlie was on the chat trying to trade the pick so someone could take
1: a picket and I'm like, crap, I don't, you know, so I, Uh, uh, I I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, if you talk about like the long play next year, there's been rumor that as many as six to eight quarterbacks are going to get drafted in the NFL real life for sure. Yep. For sure. You know, um, Kenny Pickett feels like he could just be an obsolete ish, like Teddy Bridgewater type pick. You know what I mean? Like I, like I remember old, the year like that, old he's probably as old as Teddy is right now. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so um, so I, I just I mean, good value at three five to get Kenny Pickett, but you know, what what does he really do for you? Um yeah, Carlopis, just a lottery ticket, yep. Yeah, for sure. George Karloppis is a hell of a pick. Like Charlie definitely racked out his defense with uh, you know, Devin Lloyd, uh, Aiden Hutchinson and and Carlopis. Like Carlopis and Uh, Hutchinson will probably be starters for him for a long time at defensive end, and that's a hard position to hit on. Troy Anderson is kind of an interesting pick. Um, I don't know if you know much about him. He's actually a converted quarterback, kind of like what Sage Sherratt was when the Vikings took him. Sure. Um, But he uh, definitely shows a nose for it, um, the position in terms of just shooting the gap, stopping the run in the backfield. I mean, I think the guy had like 128 tackles his last year at Wyoming. He was all-conference. Um, but the better news for him is he went to a team that's absolutely baroque of talent in Atlanta. He's going to have a chance to learn and and probably start eventually. Kevin Harris is a pretty unique pick as well, too, for 414. Um, As we know, the Patriots will shuffle running backs like a deck of cards. You know, Damian Harris could very well not even be on the team next year. Um, Ramondi Stevenson profiles as a grinder, and... um, James White you know he's coming off injury and he's getting a little bit older Kevin White you know he was hurt last year he had a knee injury but the year before that he looked like one of the five best running backs in the draft class um it's a it's a lottery ticket for sure and he'll probably end up on Charlie's uh practice squad but um you know when you're this late in the draft getting a guy like that that you can just hopefully sit on for chipping in a chair like that's it's a good depth pick for just kind of crossing your fingers on. So, um, you know, I think I like the back half of Charlie's draft more than I like the front half, mostly because I'm not a huge fan of that James Cook pick. Um, but, it, again, I see what Charlie was doing. He's, Charlie himself is trying to go the Becker route. He's entering into a rebuild and trying to make it fun for himself again, I think, mm-hmm. after his team had kind of plateaued and just leveled off. So he's hitting the reset button trying to, you know, mix things up a little bit, I think.
0: All right. Next up, Lazy Boys. Lazy Boys. Lazy so, Boys.
1: One seven. Isaiah Spiller was probably um, probably one of the best players in college, and then he just tested so poorly at the combine. I mean, I think he ran a four six one forty. Um, I, I actually wrote a little bit of a profile about him in the Tough League, and my pro comparison to him was Jordan Howard um just a just a, a big bruising back that will get what's blocked for him and probably isn't going to break a lot of runs like i said he was super productive at texas a&m and it helps he played at a power five school he's stuck behind austin eckler but just based on the speed of that offense if he had a jordan howard type career for for three to four years um brad wouldn't be mad you know if if the guy was getting fed 280 carries and was able to run for 1,100 yards and eight to nine touchdowns, that'd be big. Um, he has no standalone value, obviously, right now. He's got to pray for an Austin Eckler injury, which probably isn't going to happen. Um, knock on wood. And Eckler, fun stat about him, not sure if you know this, you know he scored 19 touchdowns last year. Uh, do you know how many touches he got in the red zone last year?
0: 16?
1: 19. <laughs> All the same. Sure. He he was hundred percent efficiency in the red zone. Um, that that's pretty much unheard of for a guy his size who just scores at will. So I know there are some people that had kind of considered that Isaiah Stiller was gonna come in and be like a goal line jackhammer for touchdowns, so maybe he could carve out some value as a as a handcuff, you know, like six eight touchdown range. I just I don't see it. I, I think he was a pick made to improve the backup running back position because they let Justin Jackson go and uh, Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree are terrible. So um, I don't, I don't love that pick. I think he probably could have gotten somebody a little bit better. Again, the premiums on running backs probably changed things, but um, don't love that pick. Uh, Jelani Woods, two seventeen. Like I mentioned before, Trey McBride is probably the only tight end that I really enjoyed in the draft. Um, that being said, Jelani Woods. Physically is one of the most freakish players in the draft. He's six seven, two sixty five. Runs a four six forty. Huge vertical and catch radius. Just um, on a run dominant team with Matt Ryan throwing the ball. I just I don't see a path to targets, and they just gave Mo Alley Cox a pretty nice extension. Um, Logan Hall, not a bad pick. Again though, he's a three four defensive end. I just don't see him racking up a lot of a lot of points. So. From an NFL perspective, he's a good pick. From a fantasy perspective, probably not so much. Um, Andrew Booth Jr., all the reviews early are that he's crushing it, but cornerbacks, I traditionally kind of fade um, in fantasy. Uh, I I, I mean, the hometown aspect is fun. Probably not going to do much for him. And then Brian Asamoah, again, another hometown pick. Uh, I like that admittedly better than Booth just because uh, one thing the Vikings were really short on, was inside linebackers for a three-four hybrid scheme. Um, he has a chance that he could probably start next to Kendricks or eventually replace Kendricks. And he was pretty productive at OU. So I don't know that he's going to do well, but um, you know that that's a pretty good pick uh, for five fourteen, all things considered. When, like I mentioned before, linebacker room um, was kind of bereft of talent in this draft. Um, overall, I would say of the teams we've surveyed so far, I feel like that might be the weakest draft that I've seen.
0: All right. Um, next up, we have Rippon and a Terran, who picked at 1-8. My buddy, Matt Mitchell,
1: a kayaking buddy that I haven't gone kayaking with. Um, normally, always pressures at defense. Uh, kind of changed it up and went really heavy offense this year. He had quite an interesting draft. Uh, Garrett Wilson, um, I know you mentioned Alave. Garrett Wilson was my guy at, at OSU. I, I think that, you know, Everything with him hinges on what Zach Wilson does. Um, so he may not be relevant right away, but I, I think the Jets have figured out that if Wilson's not the guy very quickly, they're going to probably replace him as soon as next year. Um, the fact that he got Wilson at eight, like I, I mentioned before, I wasn't a fan of James Cook at five. I wasn't a fan of Isaiah Spiller at seven. Getting Garrett Wilson at eight feels like a hell of a steal. Um, I would have taken him over both of those two aforementioned guys. So I, I think Matt gets huge value there. Sky Moore uh, at 111, that's a hell of a pick uh, when you consider that Tyreek Hill's departure leaves behind 150 plus vacant targets. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to bet anybody that Marquez, Valdis, Scantling. Uh, and his law firm are going to take over that anytime soon. And Juju Smith-Schuster, we like him because he's a fun player, but I don't know that he's going to do much there. Uh, really like the Rashad White pick at 114. Um, when you consider James Cook is a pass-catching pass back that went 1-5, Rashad White is the same uh, coming out of Arizona, and he got him at 114. Uh, also consider the fact that uh, Uncle Lenny is 27 going on 28 loves to piss off his training staff, and is about to eat himself out of starting job. I think that uh, White could see relevance quicker than not, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I think that's an excellent call. Jalen Talbert at 2-2, that's another guy that I was really strongly considering at 117. Um, Dallas, obviously, loves to throw the rock. And now you've got James Washington out with an injury. Michael Gallup on the puck list. Like, he could be starting in two sets right away, so that's huge. Desmond Ritter, um, of all the quarterbacks that got drafted, I actually like him the best. Just because it's Atlanta, they don't have anything there, they're going to be looking probably to replace Mariota in really short order. He's a bridge quarterback at best. Um, I loved Cincinnati football and watching them last year. Um, they, they came within an eyelash of beating Bammer and going to the title game, so I always kind of jerk the underdogs in that regard. But getting him at 3-6 to stash and hope he becomes a guy, it's a value pick, to be sure. Tyler Beatty, again, that's another excellent value pick when you talk about running back rooms. Baltimore, like Seattle, loves to throw the ball a ton. Um, or, I'm sorry, run the ball a ton. But you got J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, and Gus Edwards all coming out of injury. They faded um, Tyson Williams really early last year, so he's not relevant. Tyler Beatty was a real-life NFL sixth-round pick, but... He was productive enough in college that he could be one of those guys that you see sneak in some carries and actually do some damage. Um, last pick, uh, a Packer pick, of course, Dart Terrell. Um it, it sounds like sounds like this guy is not going to be the guy. It sounds like um, of, of the rookie receivers for the Packers, uh, Romeo Dubs is actually doing the most damage right now in OTAs as a fourth-rounder. Christian Watson, obviously, is out hurt. Um, it, w- it wouldn't be a Cambridge draft without Matt Mitchell leaving with the Packers player, so I have a feeling that's probably yeah. why that guy happened. But um, overall, I really liked his draft. I think that he added a lot of pieces on offense that could be relevant in very, very short order for him, especially in the receiver room. Um, you know That, that Rashad White pick at 114 feels like tremendous value, though.
0: All right, the, here we go. The Whammy Doodles <laughs> up next. Oh, okay. man. It's as well, high as 110.
1: We got it. We got to give him an F right away just because it's, it's Eric, and I know that he's going to ooper ooper, and then he's going to get on the horn and start FaceTiming people naked from his toilet and see if they want to make trades. Um, I mean, if we, we start from the beginning, Christian Watson, um, I'm shocked he made that pick, if I'm being honest with you, with other guys like George Pickens on the board, like, uh, Christian Watson's coming from Bland D three football at NDSU, big guy, big catch radius. Um, we all know that Rogers makes guys work, um, for their, uh, starting role though. I mean, you've still got Alan Lazard. They signed Sammy Watkins. Um, you know, Randall Cobb is still a trusted guy in the slot. I just, I don't see a path to targets for Watson. Um, really barring the injury. And, I mean, with him missing time right now, as I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, Romeo Dubs is actually out playing him. So that pick feels like a big reach for him. Malik Willis, I like a lot, like, as a person. But all the stuff that I read about him coming out of the draft is none of these guys really think that he can hack it. Um, you know, he lost his starting job to Bo Nix at Auburn. Nix lost his job to somebody else, and I think he ended up transferring – you know, Willis had to go to a D2 Liberty School in order to do well, and he fell quite a ways. Um, he's in a pretty interesting situation in Tennessee where Ryan Tannehill obviously had a great year, and he's going to be able to push him a little bit because he's getting older, and I don't think Tannehill is going to be able to sustain what he did before, but I just – I don't know, man. Like I mentioned before, this this class is not great. Jermaine Johnson, of all the defensive ends that went in the first round, I graded him the lowest. Um, I think he's 25 or 26. He was a fifth-year senior coming out of Florida State. Um, good player. He's going to have a short window though, so that that feels like a bit of a stretch. Um, Tyler Goodson. I can only assume that he drafted him because he wants to try and take if he can exploit a pick out of Matt for him because he's a Packer. Uh, I don't. I don't see him having any value at all. Leo Chanel. That's a really good deep pick for a linebacker. Uh, Nick Muse. Not a Muse. For lack of a better term, he's no higher than third on the depth chart in Minnesota. That feels like a bit of a homer pick. So, uh, Eric, pretty good team, normally a pretty savvy drafter. Can't really figure out what the hell he did here, if I'm being totally honest.
0: I don't know if he would know either, if I'm being honest. might be true. All right, Big Earns Carter,
1: up next. Love Carter's draft. Uh, I, I really did like Carter's draft. Um, Damian Pierce, I was banging the drum on him really hard prior to the draft. I, I know that he only lasted until the fourth round of the real NFL draft, um, and he's kind of given the, the plotter. And I'm going to throw out a PFF stat because I know that Eric hates them, so this will really get his goat. Um, Damian Pierce was graded as having one of the most efficient seasons in college football last year uh, ever. Scored a 98.5 grade. Uh, the guy had 15 touchdowns off 118 carries. Um, he's big. He's well built. Um, he's a grinder for sure. He's actually apparently been showing off some pass chops, which he wasn't asked to do. And the Texans have got him returning kicks right now. I mean, this—he's on a team that you've got a guy like Marlon Mack who was efficient, but you know, Achilles tear lost his job to Jonathan Taylor. Hasn't really played in two years. Rex Burkhead got an extension. He's 33, though. I'm just, I'm not feeling it. Um, Damian Pierce, we're getting him at 112. That's, that's another guy that I really, I, I like him probably better than James Cook, if I'm being honest with you, because he's got a path that touches, and he's built more like a traditional running back. Um, my pro comp that I used for him in another write-up that I did, he feels kind of like how Ronnie Brown did coming out of Auburn. Just a guy that was always in a timeshare but clearly deserved more for a future role, and now I think he's going to get a chance to do it in Houston. Um, David Bell, another guy that wasn't considered like a sexy athlete by any means, um, probably best set of hands and one of the best possession receivers in the the college football ranks. Mm -hmm. Um, Now you've got him in Cleveland. When Watson comes back, I think he's going to target him a whole shit ton underneath because they don't really have anything else. Um, You know, they signed Amari Cooper, but other than that, what else do you have in that receiving room? you got Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, maybe he's going to get some some play opposite Cooper, but um, underneath, I think that Bell could be a hell of a steal. Um, Wandale Robinson, Carter knows I love that pick. I tried to procure him from him. Um, People that don't know about Wandale, he actually played running back um, at Nebraska where he transferred to Kentucky and went absolutely bananas. I think he caught 117 passes, like 1,653 yards his final year. A little bit of an undersized guy, and he's 5'9", 190, kind of profiles as a gadget player. Um, I love the landing spot, if only because Brian Dabble is probably one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, and he's going to use him the same way that he probably did Gabriel Davis in Buffalo. And if he gets a return on investment similar to that, I think that could be... A sneaky good pick uh, at 3-2. Romeo Dubs, we just got a ton talking about him. I'm sure Carter is just absolutely loving all the press that he's getting on him. Uh, Daxton Hill, this is a really rich safety draft. Uh, He had a guy that's going to start at free safety in Cincinnati, and safeties always rack up more fantasy points than not, so that's a hell of a play. Kate Otten, dart throw for sure. I know they still got Cam right there. Uh, However, you know, Auden's got youth on his side. I don't think he's gonna be much this year um because they got you know he signed Kyle Rudolph to play in sub packages and back up uh, break, but both of those guys are older than dirt. So Auden could be a guy that Carter could staff. So overall, i I really like Carter's draft.
0: Yes, and uh, close circuit to Carter, dude, thanks for hooking me up with those uh, old football cards you demand. All right. Nice. next up we have. We have the champion Chey Dogs. Chey, I won't return a message.
1: <laughs> I'll strike. I, I I tell you what, I've tried text messages, I've tried emails, I've tried smoke signals and carrier pigeons, and I'm gonna have to resort to nuclear bombs. I tried to see if I could even get a response from him if he wanted Damian Williams to handcuff to Tyler Algier and I can't even get give the get the champ to give me a response, so um Close circuit to Che, um, you know, there are things that you can do in this league outside of the draft and winning the title, I promise. Um, You just you got to respond first, though, buddy. So that being said, Tyler Algier, um, we talk about guys with opportunity. Um, He was a walk-on at BYU, 1,600 yards, double-digit touchdowns. Goes to, as I already mentioned, a really anemic offense. It's looking for playmakers. He's got converted 32-year-old wide receiver Cordero Patterson in front of him, who in no way, shape, or form will be able to replicate what he did last year. Um, and you got, you know, 30-year-old Damien Williams, who I own right now. Um, I-, I do feel like Damien Williams will probably get the first crack um, where I think Cordero is going to go back to being more of a receiver slash gadget player. But long-term, I think Algier is a really good pick. I think he's one of those guys that can come on like week eight, week nine, and, and, and get some good run. Uh, Greg Dulcich, another pick, like I mentioned, tight end is a little barren, but um, in terms of, of athletic upside, probably one of the best in the draft. He's just unfortunately got a blocked path to playing targets behind Albert Akubanum. Um, You know, Albert O looks like he's going to be the guy there, which coincidentally I own. Uh, close circuit to Che, again, I'd say we could talk trade, but I'd have to find out if you were still alive first. Uh, Bayless Jones. Another older rookie, um, you know, transferred from USC out to Memphis. Had a nice year last year. The Bears mostly kind of drafted him to be a return specialist. Like, he's kind of like the aforementioned Cordero Patterson, maybe a Devin Hester. So, they've got a really barren receiving room, so maybe he can carve something out. But he just, he kind of feels like a best-of-the-rest type of name. Um, Channing Tindall in Miami. Might get some play at linebacker. He's more of a backup right now, but I mean, at 416, you can't really fault him. Uh, Daniel Bellinger, I know he was actually a pretty popular sleeper. Um, unfortunately, I do know he's hurt right now, um, so I don't I don't know that he's going to get a whole bunch of run in New York, but again, that, that could be a guy that could play out. Um, overall, this draft kind of feels like chase communication, like kind of meh, somewhat non-existent. Maybe we'll hear something back eventually. Who knows?
0: All right, that brings us to you. Well, this guy spurgasms. obviously crushed
1: his draft, so um, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say that I'd let you uh, uh, run through this, but I, I don't mind doing it if you want me to. I can critique my own draft because I obviously have the inside track on it. Um, please, please, by all means. Brian Robinson was my pick um, just because uh, Alabama running backs so far in the NFL – have had a really good track record run for the past five years. You know, you've got Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, not you know, Derrick Henry being the crown jewel of all of them. Now you got Robinson. Um had to wait his turn behind all those guys, crushed it. He's built like what you want an NFL running back to be. You know, six one and a half, six two, two hundred and thirty, two hundred and thirty five pounds physical. Antonio Gibson has dealt with turf toe and vaginal cramps and all sorts of stuff over the past couple of years. Um, JD McKissick is a pass catching back and that's it. Washington has a great line Um, in a, in a weak division. I was more than willing to take a flyer on this guy and, and hope that he could be an add to my running back room down the road. Um, My next pick I didn't have until four one. I made that trade with you. I gave up a future third so I could go up and get the number one pick in the draft. Um, my defensive end room, um, I've got a couple of first-rounders there in Montez Sweat and Brian Burns who have done well, but I wanted to add a depth piece. Um, I don't need him to start right away, so I couldn't think of a better player to try and stab at 4-1, one, number one overall pick in the draft, that I can hopefully just let sit and marinate and hopefully becomes a cornerstone defensive player that I don't have to worry about. Uh, Ty Chandler, I've talked him up to a lot of people. I actually own him in multiple leagues. Not a lot of people know this. Uh, you know, everybody does. I should start with saying everybody knows Alexander Madison is an unrestricted free agent next year. Um, he's not going to stay in Minnesota based on our cap situation. He's going to go get starting money elsewhere. Um, more importantly, Dalvin Cook is about to turn 28. He's due 17.5 million next year, and he only has a 5.5 million dollar cap hit. And the year after that, he's owed 19.5 million with 3 million dollar cap hit. Um, Kenny Wongu was there, but he wasn't drafted by this regime. Ty Chandler played at Virginia uh, to start his career, led led really bad teams in rushing each year, used his graduate transfer to go fill in for uh, graduated Michael Carter and Javante Williams. He went nuts. He you know, he caught twenty passes in twelve games. Um, he ended up running for over six and a half yards of carry. Uh, Four four three one forty, if I recall correctly, 5'10", uh, 217 pounds, fits exactly what the Vikings like for a profile. I took him specifically as a long, deep stash where on the low end, I think he's the backup for Dalvin, uh, who's missed 29 games in the past four years. On the high end, maybe he's a cheap uh, replacement if they decide to move on from Dalvin or if Dalvin doesn't restructure Um, He could be nothing. He could be something. I have no problem taking a risk on that. Jerome Ford, he's another popular deep sleeper of mine. I mentioned all those uh, running backs at Alabama. Um, Jerome Ford at one point was number five on the depth chart at Alabama. Um, In order, the guys that he had to play behind um, were Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. He transferred to Cincinnati. He actually scored 29 touchdowns in two years at Cincinnati, uh, almost went to the national championship with them, um, scored 19 touchdowns alone last year, averaged 6.9 a carry. Again, built like Chandler. He's 5'10, 217, uh, plays on a power run offense in Cleveland. Nick Chubb obviously is the number one there. The reason that I liked taking forward where I did in the fifth round is specifically because um, Kareem Hunt has an expiring contract this year. He's owed six and a half million. Um, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's going to go try and be a starter because he's looking for his last paycheck. Uh, Dearness Johnson is also an unrestricted free agent uh, at the very least. I think that he's the backup to Nick Chubb who's missed time before. I have no problem taking the taking the staff on that guy. Uh, my last two picks admittedly, I tried to give away just because it was so late in the draft, and thanks to Allen's wife, I was absolutely loaded and couldn't figure out what I wanted to do there. So it, it felt right just to take the two best cornerbacks in the draft. Um, Stingley Jr. is probably more of a cover specialist than anything. I do like McDuffie because he's going to be a slot corner, and he'll probably get a shit ton of tackles. Um, but if, if I'm being honest with you, these are guys I will probably seek to try and trade because I, it, the way my roster is built, I just don't have room for both of them.
0: All right, it's a good thing you took that because mine would have sucked. But you did good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a world of pain. First pick was two eleven.
1: Yeah, he didn't have a whole ton in this, but I tell you what, he sure did a lot with what he didn't have. Um, TPD or TDP, sorry, Davis Price, another solid running back for kind of the late fringes. He ends up in a good situation. Um, everybody's talking about Elijah Mitchell, but he missed time last year, and he's not really built to be a bell cow. Um, Trey Sermon obviously busted last year. There's a good chance he could rebound this year, but I'm not going to put my money on that. Um, aside from that, you got ever-steady Jeff Wilson, but he's getting up there in age. To Michael Hastie he was a six-round pick; He doesn't mean much. Uh, TDP was one of the better running backs. Uh, in terms of efficiency, he was actually better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was uh, in his final year. At LSU, you know, good speed, good size, good hands. He just, he doesn't do anything great, but he does everything really well. Other kind of tidbit about the Niners. They've had six different leading rushers in the last six seasons. Um, This is a guy that, again, kind of like my previous guys I listed out. He could be nothing. He could be something. Uh, All I know is 49er running backs are worth taking a shot on. Um, Zaya Pacheco. Pacheco, Pacheco, however the hell you say his name, Um, he's actually getting some run with the ones right now. He's got good athleticism. (laughs) He did not uh, produce anywhere near where he should, though, in college, so that's why he was a a six-round pick. But, um, you know, Kansas City's backfield is pretty wide open. He could carve something out. That's a hell of a guard throw for 4'11". 5'11", same thing. Danny Gray uh, out of SMU. He's a slot receiver. 4-3-1 Four three one speed. He's pretty well built. Um, he's actually kind of built like Debo Samuel. Um, I think uh, I think Danny Gray is one of those guys that could have value if say Debo or Ayuk went down. But he's probably not going to do much other than that. He's probably a good practice blood, uh stash.
0: All right. Next up is the Top Cats. Their first pick was
1: two nine. Uh, Pierce Strong Jr. has got good hands. Another NDSU guy, if I recall correctly. Um, he's buried on that roster, though. I mean, he, he will probably eventually be the pass down back uh, to James White, so I don't, I don't think your dad's going to get much of an ROI on him this year, but I think he will eventually. Um, Jordan Davis, again, we're in the fifth round now, so probably not too much to be said about that. Defensive tackles don't normally get stats, but you know he was a first-round real life pick. So I I can see why you would want to take him there. Uh, David Ajabo, that's actually a hell of a pick. He probably would have been one of the best linebackers in this draft class. Uh, but if you call the poor guy shredded his Achilles at the combine, so he didn't get a chance to finish up, um, he's going to stash him probably not going to do anything for him this year, but that could be almost like a Jalen Smith type player. Um, he, he's probably going to start for Baltimore next year. So that could definitely be a steal. Um, Eric Azukama. He was a fourth-round pick out of my uh, in Miami, out of Texas Tech. Um, good player. Uh, he was actually the most productive wide receiver since Michael Crabtree to come out of Texas Tech. His problem is he's buried on that depth chart. You know, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, um, Cedric Wilson. They've just they've got too many guys there. I, I don't see him making a splash, but um, that's a smart pick for for five twelve. I will say that.
0: No pun intended. I'm sure with the splash reference. There you go. All right. Next up, Skull Babies, who picked at two fourteen Valentine's Day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Adam didn't have a lot in this draft to work from too. Um, he admittedly he he went full full home run swing on Justin Ross, who anybody who's anybody that watched college football when Clemson won their first national championship, um, he rocked out in the title game. 14 catches, 310 yards, four touchdowns. And then, as we all know, um, congenital spine issue, uh, missed an entire season of football, and then he had a Liz Frank injury. Um, couldn't get healthy enough to get drafted, but passed his medicals and signed uh, with the Chiefs. At the time, this is definitely a boom-bust home run swing on Adam's part. You know, I mean, he's huge receiver, 6'4", 6'5", 225 pounds. Um, if he would have stayed healthy, he probably would have been the number one receiver picked in this draft class. But sadly for Adam, about two weeks after this pick got made, um, he re-injured that same foot that he had the Liz rank issue with. And Kansas City has already shut him down for the year. So um, that, unfortunately, is going to be an IR wasted pick for Adam. Um, Khalil Shakur, I really like. He actually posted a super efficient season um, for Boise State this past year. And he was actually another PFF stat to piss Eric off. He was considered one of the most efficient receivers in college football. He had a 96th grade over a three-year period. Um, That's a nice value at 215. I I think that you're going to see him start eventually when Jamison Crowder gets the boot and the slot in Buffalo. Snoop Connor, um, that's clearly a handcuff pick for him. Um, We don't know what's going to happen with James Robinson based on injury. Snoop Connor was kind of a, a popular pick amongst a lot of draft knicks and different podcasts. To handcuff to Travis Etienne, who concurrently Adam has coming off IR. So I mean, um, you know, swinging a miss on Justin Ross, Khalil Shakur feels pretty good. Snoop Connor just just a smart handcuff. I I can see what he did with the little bit that he had. Do you remember Kula Shaker,
0: the band? I, no, I don't. Well, they're they're pretty awesome. They're pretty. They had some hits, uh, like on alternative radio back in the 90s, but uh, whenever I see uh, Khalil Shakur, it it just reads like Kula Shaker to me. So <laughs> randomness, Noted. but I'm sure one of our listeners out there will know what I'm talking about, Kula Shaker. at that.
1: Frost right?
0: Yep. All right. Next, the Corn Boys. First oh, pick, man. First pick was not until 3-9, so I think you should... Be mindful so of a that, little, you know, so when you're a little bit ripping easy on, on the this picks.
1: Team. Yeah, because they're right. all value picks, you know, budget-wise. If, if, if we're being honest, um, I mean, the, the bigger thing that I think I'm a little disappointed about and has nothing to do with this pick, but the, with the position, Kayvon Thibodeau being listed as a linebacker is absolutely criminal. Um, the, the Giants don't run a 3-4. They run a 3-4 hybrid. And Thibodeau, for anybody that doesn't know, was the number one Overall prospect in the country uh, when he went into Oregon in 2019, and his pro comparison was Julius Peppers. Um, if that player ends up getting changed to a defensive end, and you got him at three nine, that's probably the steal of the draft. If we're being honest, he's just six five, two seventy. He's fast. He's strong. Uh, did you did you get to see his game against USC? That was their qualifier for the Rose Bowl. Yeah. He, yeah, for anybody, who he amazing. yeah it, for anybody who didn't, if you want to see what real defensive football looks like, he sat out the first half with the flu, and then he came back, and in the second half he had 22, say it again, 22 quarterback pressures in one game, and he finished with four and a half sacks. Um, he was an absolute one-man wrecking crew, and he didn't do it against some Division three flunky, uh, he did it against USC, which is considered a top top thirty school. Um, he's a hell of a player. Quay Walker at three fifteen. I had no idea he went that late. I mentioned before that there were only three linebackers that were worth drafting in this draft class. Um, you know, he was one of them. It, you know, uh, he's going to start in that three four scheme inside. He's going to probably get a lot of tackles. Um, I I don't know that. If I would have had a pick in the third round prior to that, there's no way I would have let him get to you. That's a hell of a pick. Um, Matt Coral, that pick probably looked a lot better before Baker Mayfield went there. Um, Matt Coral was one of the better quarterbacks in college. I know he's got some attitude issues that a lot of people like to uh, talk about, but considering they need to figure something out, um, that that was a hell of a pick. Because Sam Darnold sure didn't look like a guy. Unfortunately, he's he's probably going to be a taxi squad guy for you now. Um and uh Arnold Abekate, uh that's a hell of a pick at five fifteen. Um, when you consider again, like I mentioned before, Atlanta doesn't have a lot going on. He's gonna probably start at right end there. So um the value that you got, I mean you you know, like I said, Thibodeau unfortunately as a linebacker doesn't do much for you. If he ever gets switched back to defensive end, that's gonna be a hell of a steal for you. Um Quay Walker, like I said, loved that pick, especially in the third round for linebackers. Um, I, I think the linebackers that were worth a damn were probably uh him, um, Jacksonville Guy, Devin Lloyd. Um, I can't remember the third one now off the top of my head, it'll probably come to me eventually. But uh, you know, and and at Beckett Day those are those are great picks. Um Considering where you got them, I, I think that worked out pretty damn well for you, man.
0: Yeah, sir, I'm a little tipsy here. I was playing a drinking game every time you said hell of a pick after my picks. I took a shot, and I think it's like nine shots I just yeah, had. I was so.
1: going to say, on that note, you clearly got an A-plus buzz.
0: Right. Uh, Show Me Your TDs is next here at
1: 313. I guess I didn't realize Allen had so few picks, but that probably explains why he was at the bar the majority of the time. Um, Jalen Naylor, uh, that 313 feels a little bit early for him. Um, that being said, there's probably a good chance that he's got the inside track on the wide receiver three job in 2023. Adam Thielen is about to be owed about $26 million next year. I, I love the guy. He's been one of the best in the history of Minnesota, but I think, you know, barring a restructure, I, I think that just based on cap concerns, we're going to have to move off from him. Um, and this regime didn't draft Amir Smith-Marset. Uh, Naylor has supposedly been roasting in camp right now, so he's probably going to open the year as the wide receiver four, if I had to guess. Um, he's got upside when K.J. Osborne moves into the two-role that he could be the wide receiver three. Um, one of the if, if you ever follow the athletic, Chad Graff, who follows the Vikings as the beat writer on the athletic, said that Naylor right now in camp looks like what Stephon Diggs was. So, Alan, do with that what you will. Maybe i just help you bump some trade value up if you want. Um, Brandon Smith, linebacker pick at 513 uh, in an IDP league that's dominated by linebacker play. You can't really fault him for a late pick on that.
0: Great. So that's all 16 teams. Don't have to spend much time on this, but just – who won the draft? Who would you give A's to? Oh,
1: man. Uh, I think Becker gets an A for sure. Like I mentioned before, I, I just think he smoked every single pick. Um, additionally, uh, as, as much as we like to give him shit for not being here, I really did like Tup's draft. I think he got some premium players at some premium positions. Um, I also like Matt Mitchell's draft. He gets an A for sure. I think he got some phenomenal value um, in certain areas offense specifically as receivers but that Rashad White pick that I called out um Carter crushed the draft I think he did incredibly well also um and as much as you don't want to hear it I, I did like Lily Lickers draft I, I think they did pretty good
0: all right thank you sir so at the draft people were pretty darn active of making trades this probably was the most trades we ever had in a single draft I believe it was uh Nine? No, ten trades made during the draft.
1: And concurrently, that was a quick draft, too, even though we had some some uh, guys working remotely. Yeah, you can thank my
0: dad for being here for that, because if he had the technical problems he was having here, but at home, or there was nobody there to help him, this draft would still be going on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, so there were quite a few trades here. We don't have to break down each one of them, but uh, there's a couple that really stuck out. Um, the first one with uh, World of Pain and Generic Bread Warriors. The Warriors gave up Devontae Adams in return for Calvin Ridley, uh, 2023 uh, first-round pick. And what are your thoughts on that one? That was, that was a big one.
1: That, that is a big trade. Um, that's, that was probably the biggest trade. If we're, if we're being honest, um, I'm, I mean, it's, it's really going to be dependent on what a world of pain does this year. If we're being honest with you, um, I think Calvin Ridley is going to play again next year. I don't think it's going to be for the Falcons. Um, I'm not sure. Did you, did you ever hear the follow-up story that came out about Calvin Ridley being traded? Mm Mm-hmm. So it was, for anybody who didn't hear it, it was confirmed that uh, Calvin Ridley had been traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a 2022 first-round pick. Um, And the Eagle, or I'm sorry, the Falcons actually did the classy thing, and they rejected slash vetoed the trade because they had gotten wind of the suspension that was going to be going on for Ridley. Um, When Ridley comes back, he's only going to be 28 years old which for a receiver of his size and stature is entering his theoretical prime. Um, I I think he's going to do really well. And I don't think he's going to do it in, in Atlanta. Um, He's got a year off to get right with himself. Um, Super talented stash. And again, Becker's not trying to win this year. So it makes sense why he would move off of Adams. What it really does come down to though, is going to be the pick. Um, Tony's team is is pretty damn good, if I'm being honest. Like, he's he's got some players that this is a move that he's obviously moving to try and um, he's really trying to not just make the playoffs, but he's trying to make a beat. Like, when you acquire Devonte Adams, um, and I don't know if you know this as well, too, the Raiders actually have the third toughest schedule in the NFL, which means that they're going to be passing a lot. Derek Carr is going to be slinging the rock, and Devontae Adams has always been a target monster. And while I think that the narrative of, oh, he's going to go play with his old college quarterback is a little tired at this point, the truth of the matter is he's going to play on a team that's got a mediocre best defense that's going to have to play from behind often. Um, so I don't know what that pick looks like. like if, if that pick, if, if Tony doesn't make the playoffs, Jeff wins this trade because he's going to probably get a top-eight pick, and he's going to get Calvin Ridley as well. However, if Tony makes a deep run, and this is more like pick 12 or something in that range, um, I I don't know that I feel quite as good um, for Jeff on that. So right now I'm going to give the early edge to Jeff, but it's really going to be contingent on what that pick
0: is. The other big trade I want to bring up was between Charlie's Angels and the Lazy Boys.
1: So Charlie gave up Kareem Hunt, uh, and that, that linebacker pick I was talking about, Christian Harris, who was kind of on the top of my Tier 2 for linebackers in the draft class, and he got Stephon Diggs. Um, Diggs, obviously, is a monster. He's going to probably catch another 100-plus passes this year, um, so that that's, that's a hell of a get for Charlie as he tries to rebuild his team and kind of add the players he wants. Um, Kareem Hunt, like I had mentioned before, about to be an unrestricted free agent next year. You know, he's kind of hitting that apex, um, big news that actually came out today, Kareem Hunt is actually having a, a sit-in uh, protest at his practice that um, he, he's there, but he will not practice with the Browns unless they extend him, trade him, or cut him. And with all the money that they just committed to Cleveland, um, and also the fact that of the $6.5 he's owed this year, $0 of it is guaranteed, you can almost guarantee that the Browns are going to dish him. You know, they drafted Jerome Ford, who I had had talked up obviously quite a bit earlier in this podcast. They already have to Ernest Johnson, who filled in admirably last year on multiple occasions. Um, I think they'll trade Hunt. Um, The early rumors that are kind of spamming all over Twitter are, number one, that he would go to the Rams, uh, or number two, a reunion in Kansas City. Um, I think if he goes to either of those places, got to automatically make Kareem Hunt a top 8 to 10 running back. So I'm, I'm sure Brad is playing, playing to the fantasy gods for that. Um, if he goes to the Rams, you know, Cam Akers did not look like Cam Akers. I think he got rushed back off that Achilles. And as I already mentioned earlier in this podcast, um, the Rams drafted Kyron Williams to replace Darrell Henderson because they're going to let him walk. Um, Kareem Hunt is a true three-down running back and a former NHL, NFL rushing champ. Um, he's basically Melvin Gordon without the miles and better speed. Um, If he goes to the Rams and we know they will trade whatever to get players that they want that fit their schemes. um, I I think you're looking at kind of a, a diet Todd Gurley type situation where he's going to catch a lot of passes and he's going to get a lot of run in open space. And I think he's, he's going to try and get paid Um, right now. That trade is hard for me to grade just based on the, what if Um, if I'm grading it on the day of the draft, I'm giving it to Charlie because Diggs, obviously, is the proven commodity. But as we all know, running back is king. So, you know, what a what a difference a couple weeks can make. If Kareem Hunt ends up on any team other than the Browns a starting job here inside the next 72 to 96 hours, I, I think we're going to have to really skew that grade.
0: All right. So well said. And with that, that's a wrap on Episode 30 of the CFL Podcast. We'll plan to be back here shortly with another podcast before the season starts. Sure. I am prepared now for myself I am prepared
1: now And I am found again